Ian, how are you going? Good, Craig. That's good. Welcome to episode three on a lovely Tuesday afternoon, the 20th of October. Have you had a good day? I've had a very busy day, but a good one nonetheless. Good to hear. Hey, um, I was wondering um, what your thoughts are around quality versus quantity of content. This has come up a bit and I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, from the Content Marketing Institute, really good uh, podcast actually, and they raised this topic again of quality versus quantity. And uh, does this come up in your business and what are your thoughts uh, around the whole debate, I guess? Absolutely. I think it is a very relevant question and it's something that comes up because people go well how much should I do when it comes to content and especially when people are starting out when you're starting from a place of no content even a little bit can seem like a lot so I, I think the biggest thing is to get started one thing that we've found is there seems to be this spot where if you can do about three bits of content every week that seems to get some good traction And then I think once you've started that as a process and have that down pat is, you know, start looking at the quality and see what else is performing and see what else you can do well. Yeah, I really like that approach. I think habit, forming a habit is a a key part of it. And the quality, obviously, we need to be striving to improve the quality. I really liked Marcus Sheridan's blog post. We'll link to this in the show notes where he's basically saying the goal is to get better. So, you know, it's not about being perfect right at the start. You've got to get started exactly like you said and you've got to get a reasonable kind of velocity going. But then where the debate gets interesting, it's it's about people that just or sites that just churn out rubbish content. Like they kind of go for this massive quantity of content even though the quality is really poor. And I think that's the thing we've really got to avoid. So getting the content going but not letting it just being developed or created for, for the sake of... Yeah. of so it. what do you find, Craig, when you're talking... I know you create a fair bit of content and I should probably follow that suit. But um, in terms of with your clients and other businesses that you serve, have you found that similar spot that I've kind of discovered, which is about three bits of content every week or is it being less or more for you depending on the industry? Uh, So it often comes down to um, budgets and results. So for many of our clients, it might just be one blog post a week and that's quite, that's fine actually in B2B industries and we basically push that, we keep that going and then we try and say, okay, well, here's the results we're getting. Can we go to two per week? Because if we can go to two per week, we can probably double your results. And that is actually what we see. We do see this kind of momentum build over time. But the reason I mention those figures is because once a week is fine. And we've actually got another client that actually does about two a month. So it's one every fortnight. I'd really like to increase that, but I never kind of say, oh, that's not worth doing, you know, forget it. It's like you've got to start somewhere. They have actually focused on quality, very high quality Yes. And they're in a specific niche, so they actually it actually costs quite a lot to produce those pieces. Yeah. But they do get a lot of industry recognition. So there's kind of it does depend on the industry and there's certainly that aspect to it. But it's about momentum. Yeah, that's good. All right. So now tip of the week. And I know you've discovered something really good and you've written a blog post about this, which is about tracking UTM parameters in HubSpot. Now I think this is a bit advanced, but 
the benefit I can see from this is being able to really slice and dice the information. So tell us more about your little discovery. Yeah, so this is really interesting. And I was hesitant to include this in the show at first. But because I thought, oh, it's a bit technical, it's not, you know, it's more of a, a, a web analyst kind of thing. But this was actually requested by a marketing director at a company, uh, at one of our clients. And they were asking, uh, how can we track the contact level, the campaign details and source medium that have, has has referred the contact conversion? So just to explain how they've set it up, they're, they've actually got a white paper that they're promoting and they've got uh, they've had it promoted via an industry site. Now that industry site has controlled the tracking parameters included in the URL and um, for people who aren't familiar with tracking parameters, they're little bits of the URL that are appended on to carry um, information about the source and the medium and the, the campaign and things like that. Now, my client had actually no control over setting those parameters coming into their site. So they were asking, is it possible for HubSpot to get those parameters out of the URL and record them against the contact? So it's a pretty interesting question. And it turns out, yes, it is possible and the way you do it is actually to set up custom properties on the contact. So this is in contact settings in HubSpot. Set them up as custom properties and then on the forms that are used in the landing pages, you actually use those, you actually add those as hidden fields on the form. And HubSpot's really smart. It actually can pull out the parameters from the URL and it actually slots them nicely into those hidden fields and they're recorded against the contact. And this actually works for any parameters in URLs. And they don't have, just have to be UTM parameters, they can be any parameters. And uh, it's actually worked really well. And now what you can do is at the contact level, you can actually search based on those custom properties to find contacts where those particular properties have been set. So it's actually really useful for my client. And as you said at the start, we can slice and dice data over time as those get populated. So, yeah, I did write a blog post about it. We'll include that in the show notes. And it just uh, kind of walks you through the steps to set that up. And I'll be really interested to hear feedback from anyone if they if they find that useful and whether they've got actually any suggestions on how to improve it as well and be keen for feedback on that post. Yeah, that's great. And I think it's something that <clears throat> is a advanced use of uh, tracking, I guess. So I think I would definitely encourage people to give it a try or talk to someone that will can set it up for you. All right. So now um, tool of the week, and this is something that I really love. It's a uh, Canva. So you go to canva.com, C-A-N-V-A.com. I love this tool. It is something that I think HubSpot talk about quite often, but I've also heard the guy who actually, I think his girlfriend started it. I heard him speak at an event and he was saying that she was in marketing and she had this trouble actually creating all these images and she thought this is far too hard for us to do. Like I've got to talk to a designer, then if I want to change, I've got to go and talk to them again. And this is never-ending process. So what Canva does is enable people like marketers and people in marketing roles and even business owners to actually create their own images. It has all the set sizes for different things, like you want a Facebook cover, you want a card, you want to create an ebook cover, you want to create something for Twitter, you want to create something for your posts. And 
it's all available. It's really easy to use, and I've been using it for quite a few months now and really enjoy it. And one of the things that they've recently released is Canva for Business. So basically, you can go in there, you can define your brand. So for us, we defined our brand colors or the palette. And what that means is that you can actually have people, whenever they create things, they've got access to the colors that are actually a part of your brand. So you'll never lose track of that. And what happens is you've got team members, so you can assign the accounts and you can basically have all the templates and keep a track. So everything's consistent. So again, think about consistency in your business. This is a great way to control the consistency, but give people creative freedom to create the things that need to be created. Yeah, totally agree. I love this tool. Um, we've got uh, we've got Canva for work as well. And I like the team stream as well. So yes. you can see what other people are working on. And I'm sure most of our listeners will have actually heard of Canva. They've had very good brand recognition now. Uh, yeah, most of my clients, they've heard of it, but a number of them still haven't actually jumped on to use it. So they do have a free tier, jump on that. Well, when I say free, it's actually free to use, but for most of the images, but they do for some of their stock um, images charge a dollar. So, you know, that's not going to break the bank. It's very cost effective. Get on there and try it out. If you haven't, still haven't tried Canva yet, get on. Great tool. All right. Idea of the week, Craig from inbound.org. And I think... (sighs) We had a good uh, chuckle about this one. It's called Persona Self-Selection. And I think I mentioned to you, I think there was a iteration one of these a little while back, but the right. new one is quite good, basically getting people to choose themselves. Um, do you want to talk a bit more about it? Yeah, so I, the reason I love this so much is because working out the personas of your contacts can be an arduous task. It's kind of, you know, you go, you kind of use rules and what their behaviours are to try and work out what their persona are and they are and allocate them to it. And so I love that on the inbound.org blog, they basically send out an email and say, hey, which persona are you? Come in and fill the details out for us. And they're just, they, you go to a page and it says, which persona are you? Gives you a list of a couple, I think there's six or seven, and you choose which one you are. I just love that idea. It's There's no kind of pretending we're going to try and work it out. We're just going to ask you for it and you fill it out and it's really good. And um, I'm Executive Eli. And do you know who you are? You're probably the same. Yeah, so. I think I am. But it is quite funny. It says, you know, I'm an executive or founder. I wear yeah. many hats and I'm responsible <laughs> for keeping the business and the team running. I focus on a career and creating our strategy, acquiring new clients, managing our finances, and the list goes on. I'm constantly working to make my organization the best. So they've already <laughs> summed it up for you. <laughs> That's me to a T. So I, the reason I love this is I'm actually going to use this for my own business. I'm almost going to do – I just want to rip this idea off and send an email in my next email newsletter to everyone and go, oh, yeah, go and, you know, self-select your own persona. And I think I'll uh, – for some of my clients, this would actually be appropriate as well, just to get um, their contacts self-selecting and then able to get the content to them that's most relevant. So I, I love it. I just I think it's a great idea, and it's so simple in hindsight. It's one of those things in hindsight you look at and go, "Well, why didn't I think of that?" It's so it's so good. Anyway, persona self-selection. Check it out. Yes. Now, opinion of the week. I'm really interested in this one. You're going to chat about your thoughts on WordPress versus the HubSpot 
Cause. Actually, it's not called that anymore. It's, it's called a website. A website, yeah. Yes. Well, what was Cause? It was Conton, Content, Content Optimization, Optimization System. System. Yeah, they rebranded. So WordPress versus HubSpot website. So, yeah, yeah what, what's your thoughts? Look, I'm a big fan of having it all in one. But I think one of the uh, there are a few things that really stood out to me. I think when we think of what we do in the marketing platform, we talk about campaigns. And one of the great things by having your website in HubSpot is that you can actually add the pages that belong to that campaign. So it's not only the landing pages and everything that goes with it, but you can also track the website pages. So, for example, if we've got a campaign going about... Um, Google advertising, for example, and I've got an actual page that talks about it, but then I create some blog posts to go with it and I download, I can actually put that all together and see how it all performs collectively. So that's one of the things I really love about that. And the other thing, big difference is that if you're using WordPress and using HubSpot is that you can't utilize the personalization. So this is where you can basically switch content based on what you know about that person. So if they've come to the same page twice, you can actually personalize that content or switch things out and then take them to the next level or down the next level of the sales funnel. And I think that's a big thing. So I, I agree that is a big thing. And that's so um, just for to explain, um, our site uh, is on WordPress and your site, your agency site's actually on the... HubSpot website tool. And so we use WordPress. And so for us, that personalization piece is missing. I feel that. Um, you're absolutely right. We can get around some of the bits by using smart CTAs, the HubSpot smart CTAs that we embed on pages. But we can never really get that true personalization of um, talking to them by name in a piece of content and that kind of thing. So that's that's an excellent point, a very key differentiation. Yeah, and I think that's if you're thinking of growing as a business or taking it to the next level, I think that's a really big thing that is going to happen. And you already said happening. Mm -hmm. You know, we're showing people the right content at the right time in the right place. And even if they've visited the same page, gives us a bit of change that or give them a new experience or give them a different offer. Mm. So, yeah, so that's that. So I think uh, have a look and check it out would be the key. All right, thanks for that. Let's move on to our State of Inbound Thought of the Week. And we started this last week when HubSpot released their State of Inbound report for 2015. We covered a few uh, marketing points now. You're going to mention a few other marketing points and then we might look at some of the sales points as well. What stood out for you in the in the report? Yeah, look, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was on page 38, which is the sales alignment really matters. So sales, so SLAs between sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. And I think people struggle with this because marketing are doing one thing and sales are doing something else and they don't really meet. And I think this is important. And I think one of the first things to do is to actually have a weekly meeting, have an accountability meeting between the two teams so they can say what they're doing. And I think we kind of do this if we're behaving like the marketing part of the business for our customers, we meet with their guys who are on the phone selling to say, well, what happened? You know, if someone actually saw this page or clicked on these ads or they read this bit of content, you know, did they, when they picked up the phone and spoke to you, did they actually say something different or did they keep asking the same question over again? 
And I think right. that helps you work it out. And if you if they understand what's going on and they understand the effort you're putting in, then they understand not to, I guess, demean that lead in the other other on the other side. And that's been a big thing, I think. Right. So what what are some of the key problems that you see between sales and marketing teams that could be improved, shall we say, or misalignment to to use that? Look, if I use my own experience, I think a lot of it is a not understanding what is going on. So mm-hmm. not understanding what marketing objectives are, what the business objectives are to achieve that. And then how does that tie back? So, you know, where are we running these ads? Because when people, someone picks up the phone and they say, I saw you on Google, was it an ad? Was it a piece of content? Did someone refer you and you search the name? So if you understand where things are and you understand what's going on, I think that makes a big difference. And also it, you have to place value on it. So I think people often don't place value on leads that come through because I often have heard, you know, in a, a business that we worked for, people saying, oh, that was rubbish, you know, online's not working. But then someone in the business actually bothered enough to track it through and tell the guys what was going on and show them the actual dollar figures in converted business. And then that totally changed the perspective on what we were doing in the marketing position. Interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. They're all good questions to ask the salespeople and, and vice versa. I think one of the problems that I see is exactly what you're talking about. Sales and marketing don't know what the other's doing. And sales, because they don't know what marketing's strategy is, perhaps, um, they'll take any lead that comes over and they'll often burn them because they're trying to hit them too early. And marketing, on the other hand, doesn't communicate to sales, well, this is actually what we're trying to do. And then they don't uh, talk to sales about getting feedback on whether that is actually meeting the needs of contacts when sales does eventually contact them. So there really is that kind of process. And I think you're right that regular meetings is a, is a, uh, or a weekly meeting is a good way to start that process. I find uh, with some of my clients, it actually requires an outside kind of person to make that happen. It's not often that marketing will take the initiative to, to get up and organize that meeting with sales and vice versa. Uh, it sometimes needs higher up, maybe a general manager or even an outside agency like ourselves to kind of initiate those conversations. I don't know if you find the same. Do you find that something that they just need education about and then they do it themselves or do you find they actually need guidance to get those kinds of communication happening? I think they need guidance, but I also think uh, in the part where I can say that we've had success is when we worked with actually someone who was in operations. So they understood and they were able to correlate and explain to the guys in sales how important it was. So I think that's the key. It has to, someone in the organization has to take ownership and they also have to be one of the drivers of it. Right. And we mentioned SLAs between sales and marketing. Um, what's, uh, what's an example of an SLA? So the SLA in a very simplistic form would be, look, where our aim for marketing this week is to deliver you 10 people that will pick up the phone and, and call us or 10 inquiries through the website. Cool. So it's basically saying, look, that's what we're uh, going to achieve. We might need to have show the ad 100 times or we might have to get this piece of content read 200 times 
but that's what we're trying to achieve. So, and then I guess what happens is you can relate that back to, well, if I've got going to have 10 conversations, maybe five might ask me for a quote, two will sign on the line. Uh, my product's worth maybe $10,000. Well, that's $20,000 in the bank. So <laughs> Those would be nice conversion numbers. Be those are nice conversion numbers. But you know what? <laughs> that's what drives people. And I think yeah. when when people are clear, because at the end of the day, I think money is the factor that speaks, right? So mm. Definitely. When people see money in the bank and they see product being sold and they see that conversion take place, that's when people get excited. And I think that's what we need to talk, especially sales, we need to talk to them in that those numbers. Yeah, quite right. Were there other things from the, the marketing side of the report that you wanted to mention this week? Uh, I thought another one that was really interesting is that marketers who check their metrics over three plus times a week are 20% more likely to achieve positive ROI. Yeah. And that's just, I mean, that's an interesting statistic. Yeah, and it's not, uh, we should just point out, it's not the fact that you just check the numbers that magically you get ROI, but it really is about habit, isn't it? If you're Absolutely. checking your metrics, you're more likely to take action. Yes. So noticing what's working and what's not and adapting to it. Absolutely. You know what? It's that whole thing. It's what you focus on is what you see a change in, right? So you, if you're looking at it and you think, well, what can I do to make that better? Or why is this happening? I think asking why is always important. And I just had, had one of those conversations with a customer of mine. It's like, why is this happening? You know? And even though it was bad, it was like, well, at least we know it's hard to target or we're in a very competitive industry. So we can, you know, go, okay, well, let's pause that and let's try something else. Mm. where we can have penetration. But you know what? If you don't have the numbers, you can't have that conversation. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'll mention uh, a few things from the sales side. So um, just to recap in case uh, you didn't hear last week's, the state of inbound report, this report put out by uh, HubSpot, it's broken into two main parts. There's a section on trends in marketing, uh, which we've just covered and pulled a few points out of. And then there's uh, trends in sales. And there were a few things that came out that I thought were really interesting. Um, one of them is that it's just a kind of a key takeaway, uh, page 49 of, of the report. Prospecting is the most difficult step of the sales process. I'm reading this from the report. The, this issue is compounded by the fact that salespeople lack vital information before they reach out to leads. And I thought this was a really interesting point uh, that they've focused on, this idea that salespeople lack vital information. Because I see this all the time. It's kind of like the shotgun approach. It's uh, we've just got a name and a phone number. Right, call them straight away. Do you actually know what they do? Oh, not really. Bang, get on the phones. And it's a very old school approach. And really, it's uh, these days, you've got to be a lot more informed. You've got to be able to add value to the person that you're talking to and reaching out to. Um, did that resonate with you, Ian? Absolutely, Craig. I think it's one of those key things where, and I think I can tie this back, which is another interesting stat in that uh, report, is that on page 53, it said only 4% of Australian New Zealand salespeople invest in a CRM. Yeah, incredible, right? Which is pretty, pretty low. And I think this is the this is the key, and we've talked about this before, is that the CRM helps us have those conversations and keep a track of it. But also, if you're using, for example, the HubSpot CRM, you know, it goes and mines information about people, right? 
What's their Twitter handle? Where have they worked? Um, their LinkedIn profiles. So you can actually see exactly what they're doing. You can go and see, and if you're using Sidekick, you can see all of their their tweets and what's going on. And you know what? You've got to know what they like to have that conversation. But it doesn't take long to click and look at their website, have a look at what's going on, look at their social profiles. And I think that's a big thing because you want to know the person as best you can, which enables you to have that right conversation, right? Yes, but yeah, exactly. And especially if, and they've let's assume they've been on your site and they've uh, been tracking through things. And as you mentioned last week, integration with other tools that add to that 360 degree view of the contacts. So they might have been on your site before, they might have started a chat session, they might have downloaded a few, uh, few um, assets from the site, all that kind of thing feeds into the CRM and gives a much better picture of the person before they are actually, uh, you get reached out to, reaching out to them. So yeah, there's some interesting uh, notes from the State of Inbound report, stateofinbound.com. Recommend that you go and check that out if you haven't already. And uh, next week, we'll just have a few more little bites that we pull out of the report as well. Mm. All right. So now, interesting tactic of the week, Craig. I think you discovered this. Uh, I did. I don't know whether it's ethical, but talk, let's talk about it. Yeah, I, I think this is really interesting. So I was just on um, one of the communities I'm um, involved with and they had this great tip for outreach emails. And what they do, so these are kind of the outreach emails that are like cold emails, so not not a particularly inbound marketing approach. But they're, they're kind of when you're, reaching out just kind of um, at scale and you're just trying to get your email read and so what they do is they they make the email very plain text and then they put sent from my iPhone at the bottom of this email to make it look as though it's a kind of a much more personal, you know, it has been done by someone on their iPhone, even though it's just being sent out from a system. And apparently they're getting much higher response rates because it seems personal, it seems credible. And so this is being promoted as a tactic in in this forum I was in. And it just struck me as, well, yeah, look, it probably works. And I dare say some people listening to this will go, oh, yeah, I'll go and try that. But I just... The reason it irks me is because it's it just is the type of marketing that I dislike. It's kind of, I feel it's kind of deceptive. You use the word unethical. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it does feel like that. You know, it's kind of like this is not the kind of marketing and relationship building tactics that we want to use. And so... That, no, definite, I, definitely not. That, it's that's not. why we've called it interesting tactic of the week, not recommended tactic <laughs> so did you have some further thoughts on that or we kind of no i think you've covered it and i think that's the biggest thing is that we've got to stay true and if we're doing things like that we're not staying true and being honest with people so yeah it's about adding values correct not, totally not, not tricking people so all right. I think you've got, and I think this is great, you've got a little story about one of your clients who, and this is the motivation of the week, is embracing content marketing 
and seeing some great things happen. Do you want to just give us a quick one? Yeah, that? so I'll talk about this. This They are actually a client of mine, but this is not something that I was involved in. Like, uh, and, and the reason it's motivating is because it's an example of them doing or putting together a really nice piece of content uh, that adds value and sharing that with their community and getting great results about it. So they are actually a client of mine. I help them with um, other things, but I wasn't actually involved in this. And the, the company uh, in question is SSW and um, I found out you actually know um, one of the guys there, one of the guys, Marlon. Yeah, so Marlon, I do. Marlon, if you're listening, hi there. Um, but yeah, I've worked with them for a long time and what they've done is they've really embraced content marketing over the last couple of years. They have a very strong video aspect to their business. Uh, again, something that I haven't been involved with, so I'm not taking any credit for this. I'm just highlighting it purely as uh, just something that I really like to see. But, but this particular example this week is that the company, I should explain, they're a um, development company. So they do a lot of uh, Microsoft development, SharePoint, .NET, Visual Studio, all that kind of stuff. They're mainly in the mid to large and enterprise space. So they do a lot of uh, large developments. A lot of it's in web and predominantly the people they're dealing with are other developers and CIOs and that kind of thing. So what they've developed is this really nice behind the scenes um uh, really, sorry, I'll go back a step. They've developed a really nice ebook around Visual Studio and Angular, which are um, technologies for developers. And then what they've done is they've put together a little blog post that's a behind the scenes of how they put it together. And I find it really motivating because this is a bunch of developers who are really technical and uh, they've got a strong technical focus throughout the company. That's the company culture. They're, they're excellent at what they do. But they've got on board content marketing principles. They've provided something of value. You sign up for it download it, get a lot of value, then they invite you to a webinar and then to other courses and training courses and consulting and it goes from there and they're very successful. So we'll link to a blog post from Adam Kogan who's uh, the owner and founder of the company and he's just outlined what they've done with this particular piece of content. So I think it's really interesting and if you're in the technology space, a very good example of content marketing being done right. So that's my uh, that's my little um, motivation of the week. Really that's great. Yeah. And now the resource of the week was uh, a HubSpot blog post, which we'll link to, which originally was from 2012 and basically shows the best practices that stand the test of time, right? Yeah, so this is around workflows. The reason I wanted to include this is because it was from 2012 and they revamped it recently, but it's around email workflows that you can use in your business. And the reason I really liked it is because some of these workflows, they just don't change. There's kind of best practices to use. And the one I, that I like that it reminded me of is just the whole inactive contact workflow. So these are contacts that you've got in your database. They haven't been active much lately. So fire up a workflow that uh, attempts to re-engage them or even remove them from your database if that's the more appropriate thing to do. So just those kinds of things of using, we've often got a lot of history and historical data and contacts and people in our databases that we can use. And HubSpot workflows are a good way of going through and um, just uh, streamlining those and getting a, um, getting added value out of our own data. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really interesting because, I mean, this is a quality piece of content, right? Which mm. they've obviously discovered people have liked, they've shared it. You know, it's obviously got consistent numbers against it and they've just basically taken it, and taken it to the next level. And I think businesses shouldn't be afraid. See what's working. You know, it's that whole 80-20 principle. There's going to be that 20% that's bringing 80% of the traffic, you know. Find those blog posts and see whether you can update them, make them better or write a sequel to it so people can, you can link from the existing post to the new one. Yep, exactly. So uh, we'll link to that in the show notes as well and check it out and um, leave us a comment as well if there's uh, any resources you find particularly useful and uh, we'll include those in upcoming episodes. I think that's about us for the week, Ian. Yes, Craig. Have a great week and I shall see you next week. All right, mate. Catch you later. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.